Welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. Hi, everyone. I'm Jackson Michael. Welcome to this episode of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. With us is Texas Sports Hall of Fame curator, Jay Black. He's going to share with us the stories of some one-of-a-kind baseballs in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame collection. A baseball signed by a U.S. president. A baseball signed by Rogers Hornsby. He will also share about an autographed baseball that was the final out of a World Series. And even a baseball signed by Babe Ruth. Jay will also talk about a couple of uniforms that are on display at the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, one from Rogers Hornsby and one from Tris Speaker. We first spoke about a ball signed by U.S. President Warren G. Harding. So um, we've got this ball here. What right. is? Let's 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 talk about this baseball. Here. All right. So this is a a ball signed by former President Warren G. Harding. I'm sure everybody remembers he was the 29th president from 1921 to 1923. Uh, He actually uh, passed away, died in office, Um, you know, medical procedures not being what they are now. He basically had a heart attack and died from complications of the heart attack while while he was out in San Francisco. I've also got beside the ball kind of an original document that the museum used in 1980 when this ball was collected and you can see on there that under the description it says baseball used to open 1921 series signed by warren g harding and this came from a descendant of rogers hornsby so so this is part of the the artifacts that were gathered when the museum opened in 1980 that's when representatives of the museum went kind of spread out across the state and even the country to gather objects related to our inductees okay so we've got this ball, and, and the Hornsby family kind of tradition or, or oral history tells us that this ball was uh, used in 1921 World Series. And, and for years, you know, I'm not sure how it was labeled in Grand Prairie, but it's likely that it was labeled as such there. A um, couple things, you know, with so many objects, we really don't have the, the staff or the time to, to do thorough research on or the provenance on every object. And we have over 12,000 objects. So, mm-hmm. But either through an inventory or by chance, someone took another look at this ball. The biggest indicator that something was amiss was that in 1921, the St. Louis Cardinals, who Rogers wanted to play for, did not play in the World Series. It was two other teams. I think maybe the Yankees, maybe the, uh, the New York Giants. I mean, you can see it's an honest mistake because... Mm-hmm. The game of baseball has a long tradition of presidents throwing out the first pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, more presidents than not have thrown out a first pitch during their term. And I think it started around 1910. William Howard Taft might have been the first president. So think about that, 1910. So this tradition would have been going on for a good 10 or 12 years before Warren G. Harding was in. So, so it's, yeah, we have a president ball. My grandfather, great-grandfather, father, Hornsby played in a world series it makes sense right i mean right right logically if you didn't have a a lot of research material at your fingertips you would assume that's a world series ball okay 
So, come to find out, this ball was actually from 1921. Now, 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 here's kind of the interesting thing. They had the year right that this ball was signed by President Harding, but not the event. So, so in 1921, Rogers Hornsby, the great right-handed hitter, second baseman for, for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, had one of the greatest offensive seasons probably ever up in baseball up to that point. He, he, he missed... The, the magical 400 mark of batting average for the season by three points. He finished at 397. Uh, he led the league in, in basically all important statistical categories. He led the league in hits, RBIs, doubles, triples, slugging percentage. Uh, I think he, he probably just missed the home run title by three or four. So what happened is the Cardinals, toward the end of the season, on September 30th, 1921, they had a Rogers Hornsby day, and it was preceding one of the last regular season games with, with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And so, like, he was a member of the Masons, and they gave him a diamond set of watch five. He was also given a, a, a diamond ring, and then come to find out, President Harding also signed this ball, and it was presented to Hornsby on that date. And we found that from a newspaper article that we attached to the... Uh, computer collection record for this boss. So now the next time somebody's doing research, when we pull up the actual number for this object, we can see some of the background research that we've done stating, you know, how we know this ball was given to Hornsby on September 30th in Sportsman's Park in St. Louis by someone from either from the from the White House where it was sent, delivered to Hornsby on Rogers Hornsby today. And it looks different than like a baseball of today. With, with fully red stitching, that half the stitching is, it looks black and half of it is red, or maybe that's a deep brown on there. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, black or even a blue, I'm not sure, but right, right. The stitching is kind of alternating. That's the thing that kind of jumps out at you. President Harding did kind of sign it on the sweet spot there, and there's no other signatures, but, but you know, through the years, the ball has some wear. There, there's some, some flaking off of the surface. But, but, you know, we are housing it. In, in, that's an acid-free container to kind of stabilize it, and, and it's not it's stored in darkness, you know, in, in, in a locked cabinet. So, But, you know, some people may, may wonder, well, well, why is that important? Well, you know, museums have an obligation to, to get things right, and I think a lot of our visitors have that expectation that when they come to the museum, we're going to get the information right and be accurate, you know. It's not to say we never make mistakes, because there's a lot that goes into making labels and, and a lot of research. But, you know, just take for insurance purposes, I mean, we have to have a fine arts policy to ensure all the objects in the collection, you know, if there was some kind of catastrophic uh, mm -hmm. disaster. Not to say we could ever re replace these things, but, you know, it's customary for museums to have insurance on their objects. Big difference, obviously the value of that as a World Series ball rather than just a presidential signed ball, even if it's signed to a specific occasion. You also have a, a Rogers Hornsby jersey, I remember. Right, right. And for years we thought it was also like like the 26 World Series uniform, and then we had a uniform expert came through about 10 years ago and told us that it was, it was likely like a an exhibition game or like an old-timers game or or a special team reunion jersey that, that it wasn't to 26, but still something something that, that he actually wore and, and played. Even if it was an exhibition, it's still kind of kind of a kind of a spectacular object 
for, for one of the greatest players and Hall of Famers in, in baseball history. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's got kind of a little bit different of a Cardinals logo. Right. Um, yeah, Horn, Horns, Hornsby was a real peculiar kind of guy. Like, uh, we had a book signing a few years ago with Charles Alexander, the great baseball historian, and and uh, his biography on Hornsby. Is, you know, I would recommend to anyone who wants to learn more about him. But like, he would. Uh, I mean, this is how much the game has changed. Obviously, a, a hitter of that caliber was protective of his eyesight, so so he would like not go to movies. He would actually not even read the newspaper very much. So, so although you would see him maybe in the lobby of a hotel waiting for a game to start or killing time, he, he may have a newspaper, but he really wasn't reading it because he didn't want to strain his eyes. He wanted to protect that, that commodity for, for, for on-the-field performance, which uh, I always thought was kind of interesting. When we return, Texas Sports Hall of Fame curator Jay Black will tell us the story behind an autographed baseball that was the final out of a World Series and a baseball signed by the great Babe Ruth on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. Hi guys, this is the Rocket, Roger Clemens, and you're listening to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. When you come to Waco, be sure to stay at the Fairfield Inn & Suites Waco North, located just a short distance from the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. You'll start your day off with a delicious complimentary breakfast, and you'll also enjoy the Fairfield Inn & Suites free Wi-Fi, fitness center, and pool. Next time you bring your team to Waco, make the Fairfield Inn and Suites Waco North your home base on the road. Welcome back to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites Waco North. There's also a Babe Ruth autograph ball that the signature is badly faded. It's almost illegible. Oh, wow. Because uh, the Yankees played an exhibition game here in the late 20s at Katy Park. Oh, which really? Is, which is part of the Magnolia Complex parking area now. It's been, it was it was badly damaged after the 53 tornado. So what, what what's the story behind that, uh, the Yankees coming in, the, in that ballpark? They played Waco's Texas League team. I believe they were called the... Waco Cubs. It was just an exhibition game. It was a small park. You know, back in the day, they called it like a band box because that was kind of a small contained area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, there's a building which is kind of like diagonal and maybe right center field that's still there. It's called the Baby Percy Medicine Building where they made baby medicine. And legend has it, or newspaper accounts state that, that Lou Gehrig actually hit one out of the park that hit that bounced off the, the, the side of that building. Um, the, there was such a clamor for people to get on the on the field, like the knot hole gang, the kids that would look through the outfield, that the 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 crowd spilled onto the outfield surface. And at first, they were like like along what would be normally where a warning track would be, and then gradually more people came, and and it got to the point to where the umpires called the game because they thought it would be unsafe if. You know, Babe Ruth hit a line drive and hit somebody in the head. You know, they didn't want any, any fatalities or anything. So, 
Well, that's a great story, and that's right where um, the Magnolia. Yeah, yeah, it was right uh, damaged in the '53 tornado. Um, I've got photos of the park where you can see the, the big silos in the background. Oh, okay. And uh, it, for, for a while there was like a, a Texas Electric parking lot. You know, they had paved over, and, and then now I think it's part of that Magnolia complex. So the other kind of prominent baseball, we've got a few in, in our collection, but but one that that's currently on exhibit now is the the 1920 World Series ball that was uh, autographed by Tris Speaker. That ball has its own in- interesting history too. That ball was the last out of the 1920 World Series, and, and, and again, it's one of those situations to where you know we just thought we had an autographed. Tris Speaker Ball, and the Cleveland Indians, for their program magazine, sent someone down, a writer, this is maybe 15, 20 years ago, because he was trying to track down where the 1920 World Series last out ball went to. He read accounts to where Tris Speaker, who was the player manager for the Cleveland Indians, and, of course, everyone remembers in 1920 World Series, they defeated the Brooklyn Robins, who, who are no longer around. But so, so Speaker's playing center field. Uh, the last out is recorded infield play or, or, or ground out at second base. Speaker's running in for the celebration. The second baseman flips him the ball because he's the manager. Makes sense. And Speaker presents that ball to his mother, who had traveled up from Hubbard, Texas. That was Speaker's hometown. Hubbard's about 30 miles east of Waco. That's where uh, Tris Speaker is buried, actually. He has a, he has a gravestone in the uh, town cemetery. So for years, the the, the Speaker family held on to the, the ball as, as a, obviously a cherished keepsake. His niece, who was named after him, Tris Speaker Scott, was a longtime elementary teacher in Hubbard. And she basically had this shrine or mini museum of Tris Speaker memorabilia from, from the early part of the, the 20th century in her home. And at some point, she, the, the family had donated this ball to the, the, the new Texas Sports Hall of Fame, which was opening in, in Grand Prairie around 1980. So you would say, well, well why would somebody donate that? Trish Speaker was the very first inductee into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in 1951. So, so that, that, that kind of makes more sense. Uh, subsequent to that, that, there was a tragic fire uh, where Trish Speaker Scott, Trish's niece, Lost a lot of that important material, so so kind of a close call for this ball to still still be around. That it wasn't lost in the fire. Luckily, it had been donated and entrusted to a museum. Uh, you know, record keeping even back in 1980, not what it is today. We come to find out from a writer in Cleveland who says, "Hey, I understand you guys have this ball. You know, I, I think it may be the, the World Series ball. Can you?" You take pictures, so I send him pictures, and then we confirm that, that it was the last out of the 1920 World Series. Wow, wow. And that's on display right now. That's on right? display, yes. Yeah, wow. So anybody can come and see that. And uh, there is, is there a Tris Speaker uniform too, right? Isn't there something there, there's a There's a jersey, and, and same, kind of same story with the, with the Hornsby uniform. Probably not a game-worn jersey. Uh, likely something that was used by him at an exhibition or an old timers game, but you know, at this point, even an old timers new jersey from back in the '40s or even the '50s is, is significant age. But I think it's probably older than the '50s for sure. 
you know, and then the family also has their own kind of Tris Speaker Museum in, I think, the second or third floor of a historic elementary school that's that's been redeveloped and, and revitalized in Hubbard, Texas. So. Oh, wow. That, that would be a great, uh, great day for a baseball fan to come to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame and drive out to Hubbard or vice versa and, and see all that fantastic stuff. Sure. I mean, if you're, if you're, you're a Cleveland fan or just a baseball historian, and we have had people, baseball historians tend to travel to see sites or, or old ballparks and things. And, and yeah, the, this little, this little jaunt into, into central Texas would definitely, uh, be worth someone's while. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. Come visit the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in Waco and see some of these great artifacts spoken about on this episode, including the Tris Speaker autographed baseball that was the final out of the 1920 World Series. This episode was brought to you by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. When you come visit the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, book your stay at the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North.